Raiders, start your engines! Welcome to the one place everybody wants to be. Victory Lane, your source for news, analysis, discussion, interviews, and more from the world of NASCAR. Here's your host, Davey Siegel. Welcome back, party people, to the place everybody wants to be. You know it, you love it. It is Victory Lane. Happy week one of the offseason. Congratulations, we have made it here. Or for the segment of the population and the fan base that does not want an offseason and wants racing 52 weekends a year, well, A, you're crazy, and B, don't worry, season's right around the corner. And we still have racing because as of this recording, Petit Le Mans is going on. Anyways, today we do not have a guest with us. It's been <laughs> it's been a hectic week, people. But we will get back to the regularly scheduled programming next week or the weekend after. I know it's the offseason and most NASCAR podcasts kind of take a hiatus. This will not be taking a full hiatus, but I'm not going to commit to posting episodes every single week just because there's a lot of stuff going on, picking up some new projects and jobs in the offseason to take care of and to tend to, and trying to line up my 2022 plans as well. So we will have a guest on in the following episodes for the offseason, but just for this week, a really hectic week, getting back from Phoenix late and then getting back into the swing of things in D.C. with my multiple jobs. So unfortunate there. I'm sorry I let you guys down. No guests this week. You just have a lot of me and a lot of champions to hear from. But before we do any of that, let's throw it over to our Wayback segment with Papa Siegel this week where he is going to pay homage to a driver with many, 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 many nicknames. Who am I talking about? I'll give you a hint. HH does not stand for happy hour in episode 133. Papa Siegel, take it away. Thank you, Duve, and welcome everyone to episode 133. This week, we look back on a talented driver who had many nicknames. Harry Gant was known as Handsome Harry, given his Hollywood good looks. But Gant was more than just a pretty face. He won 18 cup races, including two Southern 500s, in a career spanning 474 races in 22 years. 397 of those races came in the 33 car. You remember the Skull Bandit tobacco livery on that car, don't you? That iconic sponsorship helped make Burt Reynolds a movie icon and gave Gant his nickname of The Bandit. The two wins at Darlington explain another of Gant's nicknames. You think this year's cup champion Kyle Larson likes to ride the rim? He's got nothing on Gant, who also was known as High Groove Harry. But that's not the only track where he excelled. In September 1991, Gant won four consecutive cup races at Darlington, Richmond, Dover, and Martinsville, as well as the two Bush Series races at Richmond and Dover as well all at the ripe age of 51. That feat earned him the additional nickname of Mr. September. He still holds the record, among others, for being the oldest cup winner at 52 years, 219 days. Gant also was known as Hard Luck Harry for his numerous second-place race finishes, for finishing runner-up in the cup standings in 1984, 
and for the time it took him to win his first cup race. Gant still holds the record for being the oldest driver at 42 years, 105 days to win his first cup race. I always admired Gant not only for his skill behind the wheel, but for his unassuming and even-keeled manner, unlike some other stars of his day. Following his retirement, he once commented that he was a good race car driver, but a great carpenter. That is so Gant, from the man who also won the 1985 IROC Championship. I'd call him Humble Harry as well. Harry Gant was named one of NASCAR's 50 greatest drivers, and he was nominated in 2018 for induction into the NASCAR Hall of Fame. That's all for this week. Back to you, Duve. Skull Bandit, Handsome Harry, Mr. Whatever Month. Yeah, I I remember Harry Gant, although I don't really remember him because I never saw him race, but I know the legend of Mr. Gant. And I wish I saw him in his prime because it sounded like he was really a character and a great driver to boot as well. Papa Siegel, thank you for your Rayback segment. Look forward to hearing what you got in the can for the next few weeks. Let's start off this episode as we always do with a good old-fashioned Phoenix Raceway Championship 4 recap. I know it's been a little bit since the Championship 4 wrapped up for the Truck, Xfinity, and Cup Series but I wanted to give you guys an extensive breakdown because I know that my homies were looking for my takes and for some additional content. So here we go. Starting off with the biggest event of the weekend, Sunday, the season finale 500 from Phoenix Raceway. Kyle Larson, he did lead the most laps, but he was not the dominator of the race. So how did he win this race? How did he win this championship? Spoiler alert, if you didn't know, Kyle Larson wins the championship. How did he win it, you ask? Well, track position, that helped. The pit crew and the final pit stop, the money stop, got him out first with a sub-12 second stop, the last stop in this era of NASCAR in the Cup Series with five lug nuts. And, man, they absolutely scorched it. What a stop by them. He gets out with clean air, is able to hold off the rest of the field and the rest of the championship four to the finish. And Kyle Larson is your 2021 NASCAR Cup Series champion. We're going to hear a lot from him here in the next few minutes, but first of all, Kyle, how was the race itself? Because for a lot of points in the race, the five card did not look to be the class of the field. A little bit of an up and down race compared to the you know, four of us. Um, you know, there was moments where I was like, yeah, maybe I've got a good enough car to win outright. And then there was times where I was definitely the fourth best car. So, um, you know, definitely a, a, a team win. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm honestly glad that it took our whole, you know, I mean, it always takes your whole team, but in one race, you know, Cliff, the engineers making the adjustments on the car to keep us in the game. My pit crew is the, the main reason why we won that race. Uh, and, and I'm sure somewhere in there, I, I made some good decisions too. So, um, just happy that it, uh, we had to earn this one and, uh, worked our butts off to get it done. You guys might remember before he left the sport last year after that racial slur, Kyle Larson said in the past that, you know, events like the Chili Bowl for midgets and the Knoxville Nationals for 410 sprint cars and all these other different events that are kind of off the beaten path for NASCAR fans at least, those events were bigger to him than the Daytona 500. And that kind of ruffled some feathers in the NASCAR garage and some people didn't really take too kindly to those comments. But now that he's won Phoenix and now that he has won a championship – 
Is this the biggest accomplishment and the biggest win in his racing career? Definitely. <laughs> yeah, this I don't I don't I mean this year I've won so many big races. Um and it seems like each one I win, it's like, okay, that was my biggest win. And then you win another one, that was my biggest win. And I, I don't know if it ever I don't know if there's another race that could ever top you know, my this win here today, you know, winning winning a cup series race at Phoenix for a championship. It doesn't get any bigger. He got pretty emotional on the cooldown lap. I mean, we haven't really seen that from him much in his racing career. Again, Knoxville Nationals, check. Kings Royal, check. Chili Bowl Nationals, check. Um, Prairie Dirt Classic, check. He's won in dirt late models, 410 sprint cars, midgets, uh, different types of sprint cars, a cup car, now a cup championship. He's done it all, and you would think that he knows what it's like to win, that he knows what the emotion that comes along with these victories. But this one just felt different, and this one was different because it was on a bigger stage. He had something that was taken away from him, that being a seat in the Cup Series, and he now had an opportunity with the best team in the garage, with the crew chief that wanted to prove himself, a sponsor that wanted to take a chance on him for Larson's second chance. He delivered on that for all of them, but most importantly, he delivered for himself. And I think that's where a lot of the emotion came in. And It wasn't even just like a tear. I mean, he was... He was bawling his eyes out in the car on the cooldown lap. But Larson actually says that he gets emotional a lot inside the car, and just because there was a camera about two feet in front of him looking down on him, that's the only reason that people were able to see. You guys might not see it, but I tear up a, you know, quite a bit <laughs> whenever I you know, win races that mean a lot to me. And um, usually I you know, get myself composed before interviews and before I take my helmet off. But you know, today you guys got you know to see it. You know, because I'm I'm taking the checkered flag and I got a camera straight in front of me, so you could see the emotion that I have for a lot of the wins I I, I can get. But um, today was was more tears than than normal, I think, just because the significance of of the event, of the journey that it took to get here, and um, just you know, I think I think just everything. You know, the atmosphere, of the race, all the friends and family I've had I had here today. Um, the, my crew and the hard work that they put in all year, I, I felt um, just a big relief that I was able to win for them and get to you know enjoy it with them. And um, it all, it all, well, a little bit of it was hitting me before the race started, um, and then it all, it all kind of hit me there after the checkered. You know, it's pretty cliche for people to say winning a championship—that's like a childhood dream. That's an incredible accomplishment. But Larson, who has been blunt in his career and and continues to be, which I'm thankful for. He kind of said that even though it's kind of weird to think about, winning a championship was never a dream for him. Let him explain. I don't really think that I ever like, and don't try and spin this in the wrong way, because like, I don't know if I ever dreamt of winning the Cup Series championship because I feel like I feel like it's outside of like realistic things. You know, I feel like I dream about stuff that I know I can go do. And I'm not sure I ever really thought that I could win a Cup Series championship. You know, I, I never – I've always thought about winning races, not championships. And um, I didn't know if I would ever win a Cup Series championship. So um, I can't say that it was, like, a dream of mine. Um, and like I said, don't take that the wrong way because that's not what I'm trying to make it sound like. It's just – it's so far out there that I never – I never thought that I would do it. Um until you know, I got I got with his team for real, you know, for sure. Um, you know, early on in the year, I, I felt like you know, we could do it, but then you 
kind of think about how the format is and, and all that, you're like, well, something's going to happen where I don't you'll win this championship. So um, maybe that's what kept it out of my dreams a little bit too of, of all the, the circumstances that go into winning a, a championship in the cup series, you know, like for any other form of racing, it's like a year long thing, you know, and um, you can, you'll work your way towards winning a championship with this format. It's just crazy. So I think that's, what's kind of, you kept it from me, like dreaming about these moments and how I would, you'll see it being like, your boy also got to ask a couple questions to Mr. Larson after his championship, which I was very thankful for. So thank you to Mr. Mike Ford for being a great moderator and the folks at Phoenix Raceway for letting me have a spot in the media center this weekend. Here are my couple questions to the champ. You know, talking about those 18 months, they were what they were, but going all the way back to when you got your start in NASCAR specifically and in stock cars, like, you know, back to the K&N days and to Ganassi and it kind of comes full circle now, you winning your title on his last day as a car owner. How has your relationship with stock cars specifically and NASCAR specifically evolved and changed over the last few years? Well, um, yeah, you know, it's it was so nice to see Chip today. You know, he is he is the sole reason why I'm why I'm here today. I I mean, there's so many. There's been a lot of people. You know, Rick's obviously been a big part of of this too. But you know, I I met with every team owner uh, back in 2011, and Chip Ganassi was the only guy, the only team owner to even entertain me racing this car. And, um, you know, I met with him for probably 20 minutes and, uh, he signed me up right then, you know, after. So, um, I owe the world to him and, um, you know, it was, it was nice to see him today and, and you know, see how, you know, happy and, and at peace I feel like he was with it, uh, with his final event as a team owner. So, um, very thankful for all the years that I spent at Chip Ganassi Racing. Um, I still work out there with Josh Wise, so it's nice to see all the familiar faces. And um, a lot of the people from the 42 car, yeah, they came by to congratulate me tonight. So it made me feel really good. And, um, you know, it, it, it makes me feel really good inside. A little bit bittersweet, honestly, that, you know, I was able to win in, in your know, Chip's last event as a, as a car owner. Tony Stewart tweeted, congratulations to the best race car driver I've ever seen. Instant reaction. What does that mean to you to hear that coming from him? <laughs> that That's, I mean, today has been really cool. I mean, to, to now hear you say that. And I did an interview with NBC uh, before the race started. Mario Andretti, I got to hear him talk about his thoughts on me. And now Tony Stewart, you know, a, probably the, the one driver, if I had to pick, you know, if I really had a true you know, racing hero, I would say it's Tony Stewart. So, um who I, I who I've always believed to be the best race car driver ever. So that means a lot to me and um yeah, it's just you know, I try to model my my racing and my schedule off what I feel like you know Tony Stewart would would do. So that that makes me feel really good. Again, he's been the most dominant driver all season long. He's definitely the most deserving driver over the entirety of the 36 race season. And I'm glad that he won it because even though it is a winner-take-all final race and that is the way that this format is structured, it's cool and it's good and it's validating to see the best guy win the race. I've said it before. I'll say it again. You could win 35 races in a row, lead every single lap of the entire season except the last one, and still not win the championship. So it is not about a season-long points format. It's not about who was the best over the entirety of 
in the whole course of a season. It's about who's best on that one day at that one track, potentially on that last pit stop, potentially on that last short green flag run. And even though all four championship contenders were running up front and had the speed to win the race at multiple points, the best driver all season long got it done when it mattered most, as did his team. So congratulations to Kyle Larson, Cliff Daniels, who we're going to hear from in a minute, the entire pit crew, Rick Hendrick, everybody on the five team for winning the 2021 NASCAR Cup Series Championship. 14th championship in the Cup Series for Rick Hendrick. I think he's getting tired of these. The first, though, as a crew chief for crew chief Cliff Daniels. The best is yet to come for this duo, being Cliff Daniels and Kyle Larson. I feel like they're only just getting started, which could be real bad news for the competition. Throughout the entire season, um, our, our team pushed so hard. Sounds easy to say. Of course, all teams push hard. But uh, it all came down to the final pit stop, and uh, I have always pushed our guys so hard back at the shop. Um, the guys working on the car, the guys pitting, pitting the car, and uh, to see them shine in, in a moment where they could shine, uh, I, I think is just incredible. And then, of course, Kyle on the restart. Um, and really all day long, Kyle saying the game was just incredible. It takes so many people uh, back at the shop at Hendrick Motorsports to get Kyle back um, after he was out last season. There's so many pe people behind all of this. I couldn't be more thankful. And, uh, you know, what it took to get today done was a really big deal for our company and for our team. Um, so big thank you to Mr. H. Uh, everyone in the Hendrick family, Hendrick Automotive Group, that's been sponsoring us uh, really most of the year, and, and I know what a big deal it was to them. Chevrolet, all the guys behind us, and uh, of course, of course, everybody back at the shop. Really, really cool day. You know, it didn't look too good there with about 35 laps to go, and uh, but uh, guys did a, made a great stop, and uh, you know, those four cars were pretty equal all day, and uh, at certain times our cars were better and. Certain times the Toyotas were better, and uh, we were just fortunate to have that caution, and that and the guys just knocked out a really good stop, and and we were able to hold them off. So I'm real proud of Cliff and and Kyle. I remember when Cliff didn't know who the driver was going to be this year. <laughs> I said, I think you'll be happy, and uh, <laughs> so. Uh, oh, of course. <laughs> Again, I actually got the opportunity to ask these gentlemen a couple questions as well. So here are my questions to Cliff Daniels and Rick Hendrick. And also, keep it locked on the Front Stretch podcast because next week, Cliff Daniels is our guest. So be sure to tune into that. But right now, here are my questions and answers from Cliff Daniels and Mr. Rick Hendrick. Hall of Famer and potentially future Hall of Famer. You never know at this pace. Congratulations, guys. I got one for each of you. Um, Cliff, last race with this generation car, you've talked about how special this car and this era of motorsports is to you. Certainly winning the championship and winning 10 races today is, is the most special part of today, but is there any added significance to you to kind of send this car and send this era of motorsports off with a win? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a big deal. There's, uh, it, I guess if I, if I back up in the week, um, it, it kind of hit home for me when on Monday and Tuesday, a lot of the guys that normally you see in their specific department for chassis construction, body construction, finish fab, whatever it may be, um, I, I, I see them maybe weekly, bi-weekly for how they operate and how they work. Um, we had a lot of those folks that came up to the, the race shop floor to be there with the cars on the setup plate. 
uh, to be with the teams. We had a lot of those guys, a lot of the craftsmen, the fabricators, um, the guys that really put their heart and soul and their craft in, into building these cars. Um, we had a lot of them around, you know, Monday and Tuesday until we loaded. Uh, that was a really bittersweet moment because those guys had such a hand, not only in building our cars this year, but um, I, I know we as a company, we're really proud that we have a lot of guys that have been in our company for over 15 or 20 years. There's so many of those, those guys, those folks that have been around for so long. Um, they, they've contributed to all the success of Hendrick Motorsports. To have them around, to see the look on their face that, uh, you know, they were sending their best out the door, but also knowing that uh, life is going to be different next year. Um, I, you know, I, I think we're all excited in the anticipation for what next year is, but it's definitely different. Um, that moment kind of kind of hit home for me, and I think it did for a lot of folks uh, to see those guys on the shop floor, um, you know, kind of sending sending their goodbyes, sending their their best wishes uh, to their final true uh, piece of art that uh, that is a, a NASCAR race car, Gen Six, the way we've known it. And for Rick, you know, you hired Kyle presumably because you believed in him. You thought he could do this. You thought he could get here. Did you think that he would get here and be here and be a champion this quickly? You know, no. I, I, I if if you ask me, did I think he could win ten races and win the championship? I mean, I thought he'd be fast. I thought the team would be good. But if I, I had no idea when the season started that we could win eighteen races and. Uh, he can win ten, and uh, it, no, it, you, you hope that you can be competitive. You hope you can run well. I think, uh, as Cliff said, you know we worked really hard when the one LE Camaro came out. We were behind with the original car, but the one LE put us in the ball game, and uh, so we started running well and winning with that car. And uh, you know, we hate to see it go. I think Chase had the last. We started building chassis in in '87. And uh, and the Ch Chase's car was the last chassis we built today. I really am a fan of Cliff. He People have said that he's Chad Knauss 2.0, and I agree wholeheartedly with that, and it really does show in his work, his preparation, how he carries himself, his mannerisms. I do also think that this could be the start of something good. I mean, you never want to predict that this is going to be a Jimmy Johnson-Chad Knauss-type partnership, and I don't think it will be just from the sheer numbers and – the sheer format that is out there. And back then when Jimmy and Chad were winning titles and racking them up and winning five in a row, it was an element of a season-long title. And now it is so what have you done for me lately. So just the nature of the beast probably will prevent them from winning seven championships together. But again, never say never. You really don't know what this duo could be capable of. Team Chevrolet's Jim Campbell, he had Kyle Larson in the fold at Chevrolet with the Bowtie Brigade. Then they released him because of the slur on iRacing about 18 months ago. And then they made the plunge to get him back in the fold. So what was the process like from the OEM standpoint of getting him back into Chevy's good graces, getting him back and reinstated by NASCAR? I asked him. Congratulations, Jim. Uh, you guys obviously had Kyle in the fold before um, the incident that happened on iRacing last year, and you guys brought him back into the fold this year. What was the decision-making like from your guys' perspective as an OEM in terms of evaluating what he had done in his time away from the sport to then bring him back into the fold? Yeah, good question. Um, you know, clearly, you know, Kyle did a lot of work off the track um, while he was, you know, out of the sport. Uh, we, know, we, we know Kyle well. Um, as you probably are aware, 
starting in 2017 through our association with Urban Youth Racing School. Uh, we took Kyle to the school to, uh, you know, interface with uh, the students in one of their classes, and he kept that association up even beyond the formal introduction from our, from our standpoint. And Kyle, um, you know, Kyle did a lot of work uh, off the track during that time with Urban Youth Racing School. Michelle and Anthony Martin, they're here today, along with members of their, uh, their chair, chairman was here today, and members of their board were here as well. They did a lot of work with Kyle uh, off the track. He met with the students, um, and he also did, you know, work with uh, the Tony Senna Foundation, did a lot of, uh, did a lot of work that we observed. Um, and uh, when you kind of, you know, you know, reviewed all the work he did off the track. We, you know, we we decided that it was uh, worth uh, supporting uh, Rick's request to you know sign him sign him on to the team. And uh, he, what I will tell you is, what he's doing off the track um, doesn't get as much um, focus as what he's doing on the track. Whether you're talking about here in NASCAR or, or in the dirt track series, but uh, I am uh, really pleased with what he's doing off the track as well as his performance on the track. And so that combination's been a real positive and. Uh, Work he's doing even today with uh, the Hendrick Harris Foundation, his own foundation, which he which he launched, uh, the, the Senna Foundation, and then and then obviously Urban Youth Racing School. Uh, he'll be um, uh, he was scheduled to go uh, early early December uh, to take part in uh, one of the classes where the students are kicking off another class, and he'll be he'll be there. I'll tell you uh, one thing is because I, I uh, join a lot of the Urban Youth Racing School sessions, especially when they've been virtual. I've been you know joining them on on Saturday mornings, and very often Kyle. Kyle Larson would be on those same sessions uh, to say hello to the students, answer questions. And so uh, what he's done on the track has been incredible. Um, you know, obviously he got his 10th uh, win um, and brought home the championship. The other thing I, I just would say is that uh, the pit crew did an amazing job in the last pit stop. But when you really reflect on it, that team did that all year long. It was just really, it was really an example of what they did all season long. And so... So proud of uh, the number five uh, Chevrolet team and, and what they did this year. I think they made a good decision in the end. Second chances are a good thing, and I think that should be the main takeaway from this race and this storyline to end the season here. Kyle Larson did not have a job 12 months ago. He was reinstated barely 12 months ago. Actually, I shouldn't say that. 12 months ago, he did actually have a job because he signed. But let's go 14, 15 months ago. He did not have a job at NASCAR. He was not eligible to race in NASCAR in the Cup Series. But he got a second chance from McKendrick, from NASCAR, from Team Chevrolet, from everybody that allowed him back into the sport and everybody that allowed him from the Urban Youth Racing School, from all the different work that he's been doing off track and not really publicizing either. They helped him get the second chance. They allowed him to have a second chance. And I think that that's a lesson not to get all political or biblical or you know, whatever here. But second chances are a good thing, you know, within reason. And I think that that should be a big takeaway from this entire situation. Kyle Larson made a huge mistake, one that nobody should make, right? He owned up to that. He has put in the work to try to repent for that. And he got a second chance. And boy, did he capitalize. The other three drivers obviously were not too happy about how their races ended. I did not really get the chance to talk to them because I was on pit road getting content of Larson's victory and Brad Keselowski toasting with Joey Logano and Ryan Blaney, but they did come into the media center and they did speak on their races and their seasons and championships coming up short. Let's start with the driver who finished in second, Martin Truex Jr. coming up one spot short again. He was my pick and it was looking pretty good there for a while before David Starr kind of messed everything up. 
He was so close, yet so far. For us, we had uh, just solid day. We hung around right there where we needed to be. Um, had a really good car, especially in the long runs early in the race. And track position was uh, was was tough. Um, seemed like whoever was out front could drive away for 30, 40 laps, and then uh, you know then you kind of race from there on till the end of the run. It seemed like you know we were pretty good. So uh, I feel like all of us were really equally matched. Honestly, we were all really good, really fast. Uh, whoever got out front seemed to be good in the short run, and then you know long run just it was kind of back and forth between everybody all day. It seemed like. So we did everything we needed to, you know, we got a lucky break there with the caution when we pitted and, you know, got us the lead and um, we were driving off into the sunset and uh, I don't know what the caution was for, but just untimely caution for us and, you know, lost two spots on pit road. That was a race. So, you know, 20 to go, you're not going to pass the, fa- you know, one of the fastest cars out there. Um, you know, we didn't have the short run speed all day and then, you know, certainly with 20 to go, it's going to be hard to pass anybody out front in clean air. So I think if we could have had the lead, we could have held them off. But that's, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and we didn't have the lead, so here we are. But um, really proud of our team and our season. Um, you know, come in here once again as underdogs and, uh, you know, had a shot at it, so that was fun. Real close for Martin Truex Jr., real close again for Denny Hamlin. The third year in a row, I believe, that he comes up short in the championship four. You got to start wondering, when is the luck going to turn around for him? When is he finally going to be able to get over that hump and win the championship. Is he going to be able to do that? At this point, the question needs to be asked, and it has been asked before. It's going to continue to be asked, and Denny Hamlin understands that. He did feel like he had a really good shot this year and this weekend of doing it, but he's at peace because he felt like he did everything in his power possible that he could. Just wasn't in the cards. Well, I mean, you, th- you think about it, and, and I think about it, that you know, it, this is a great opportunity. You know, This is the last generation of this car that, you know, took, I took a very good liking to over the last three years. Um, we don't know what the next-gen car brings. We don't know, you know, will our team be as good? Like, you know, there's just many, many question marks that happens after this. So that's why we really put so much emphasis on trying – let's try to win this, win this this year. Um, but honestly, we – there's just nothing else I could have done. There's nothing else. Uh, I drove as hard as I could every lap. Um, I – that – I didn't have the speed for the first 20 it was evident and in, in, uh, a lot of the restarts we had it was actually overachieved in, in quite a few uh, but that was it and and so I have to live with the result because I can't change it you know so I mean disappointed absolutely for sure um, but I knew kind of going into today I was going to need the race to go a certain way you know if it goes the way it did last year goes green out we're, we're probably winning so but it didn't you know, we, we knew that uh, you know, our, our percentage was, was low, and, and that was the case. Many of these races come down to green-white checkers or, you know, shootouts at the end, and that just wasn't our strength and hasn't been ever. No back-to-back titles for Chase Elliott, but it is a back-to-back title for Hendrick Motorsports. So from a teammate perspective, not all that bad for Chase Elliott. From a driver's perspective, of course, being selfish, you definitely want more. You know, honestly, really proud of our effort. I thought we had a really good car. I mean, honestly, I thought all all four guys, to Martin's point, were, were good. Uh, I feel like we all kind of had our moments, really, throughout the day. And, you know, you, you get a caution with 20 laps to go. It's going to be very difficult to to uh, run down and, and pass the guy, you know, that jumps out front on the restart. So, uh, but, yeah, proud of our team. Felt like we had a nice game plan coming into the week. I thought our car did a lot of the things that we wanted it to do. You know, no major mistakes, just need to be a little better in those last few sequences of 
um, you know, restarts and pit stops here at the end. And thus, Party People ends a great Cup Series season. I don't know if I'd call it the best season ever, like Fox Sports declared before the year even started, but it was up there for sure. I, I think the good race poll numbers on Jeff Gluck's poll on Twitter kind of bear that out. The trend is going upwards slowly but steadily. The racing overall, you know, we can say what we want about the 550 package and how we don't like it and whatever and yada yada. Overall, if you ask me if I enjoyed watching NASCAR this season, I'd give you a resounding yes. You can be nitpicky. I have been. I will be. I will continue to do so. Everybody will. Everybody should because, you know, you want a good thing to succeed and, and be the best that it can be. You can love something and want it to grow, people. But overall, it's been a great season. Was the Cup Series finale phenomenal? Was it as good as it would have been at Homestead, personally? I don't think so. But that doesn't mean that Phoenix wasn't bad. It was good. It was fine. It was a good venue to crown the champion. The atmosphere was electric. You really felt like you were a part of a big event when you were on the ground there in Phoenix. And I think it was a good way, a poetic, fitting way to end the Cup Series season as Kyle Larson gets his first career Cup Series championship. And how about Daniel freaking Hemrick? <laughs> finally, he finally gets his first ever victory, and it comes in the season finale, in the final race, the final corner, the final lap. He wins the damn championship. What a way to go out. What a way to get your first win. Super happy for him, as everybody in the industry, it seems like, is. He and Justin Allgaier in the Xfinity Series seem to be the most beloved drivers by anybody out there because they are just nice. They do exactly what they need to to run competitively, be good Samaritans off the track as well as on it. And Daniel Hemrick, he had been snake bitten so many times. A caution comes out at an inopportune time. Speeding penalty at an inopportune time. A different pit road penalty out of his control at an inopportune time. Choosing the outside lane instead of the inside to try to get into the championship four instead of trying to go for the race win and risking your advancement to Phoenix. So many different factors have prevented this man from getting to victory lane in NASCAR's National Series. But finally, on a Saturday night in Phoenix, Arizona, it all came together, it was all different, and he went out and took that win. How about it? So the move coming off of four to win the race and win the championship, how long had you planned that move? I assume that it was probably on that restart that you kind of put it together, and did you execute it how you wanted to? Uh, you know, <laughs> I'm sitting up here, so I'd say yes, but, you know, the, the short answer is, is there was no plan. You know, um, earlier somebody asked me what was I thinking, what was the process of all those moves, and, you know, for the, one of the first times in my life in the last, probably since I've been in a NASCAR vehicle, there was no thinking. It was just reacting. Um, Dave Rogers has been, and, I, and I've said it many, many times since doing the celebration out there on the front stretch, that he's been on me, I mean, just been a huge critic of mine this year of pushing me to be a better race car driver only. Not the not the Daniel Hemrick who had to work on his cars, not the guy who had to drive his truck and trailers or racetrack, not the guy who had to worry about every part and piece of the car and, and what adjustments we're going to make and all that. Worry about reacting strictly off instinct. So there was no plan. It was go where he's not, position myself to where that run's going to be or how it's going to develop, just do whatever you can to keep that forward progress moving. And um, honestly, I got loose in underneath him. Well, I had a big run to him coming before the, caution, the next last caution came out. Um, that gave me confidence to know I could, I could at least get there. Um, when I had the next shot, you know, 
coming to the white. I got really loose in a three underneath him and thought I put myself in a really bad spot, and I thought that's it. I said, I've let him get too far away. For whatever reason, the I had enough lateral grip to kind of feed the throttle back to it, and it stayed underneath me enough to give me a chance. Um, that's all I wanted. I wanted a chance to get into three, and he drove in hard to, you know, keep me from getting to him. I could had way more balance than I'd had all night getting into three, and it was just close enough to at least get him upset to give ourselves a shot, and that's where it worked out. The backflip was planned. How good did that feel to finally be able to do that, and how did you think you stuck the landing? <laughs> how did you think I stuck the landing? Pretty damn good. Yeah. I, um, somebody says, man, you surprised us. You went off the roof instead of the door. I said, hell, as long as it took me to win, I should have did it off the top of the flag stand. <laughs> but, yeah, I'll, I'll stick with the roof for now. It was, it was fun. How long has it been since you did that after a win? I know you did it on the golf course, but after a win? Yeah, it's, <laughs> that's funny you ask that. So, um, I th legitimately think the last time I won a race was All-American 400, 2014, 2015 maybe. Um, that was the only time I've ever driven my own race car by, you know, for myself, by myself, the whole deal. And that was, a, in the, without a doubt, the biggest win of my life because I didn't know what was next in life. I, I had some limited truck opportunities, but at the time I was building late models and people renting my cars and, you know, doing that kind of thing, right? So that was huge for me to build my own car and go win in it. That was at Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway. Um, but I've gotten that question a lot leading into the championship weekend of, man, are you, can you do it still or and whatnot? And I, I've said to everybody, Toyota has whipped me in the shape this year. You know, they have an incredible training program. Um, I've busted many out in their gym throughout the years. So I was more than prepared for that moment. So it was cool to be able to live that out. I mentioned Cliff Daniels is going to be on the Front Stretch podcast next week. This week we had Daniel Hemrick on the show with us. So be sure to check that one out if you want to hear some extended analysis and conversation from the man who did a backflip off of the roof of his car to celebrate that one. Five years to the day, by the way, of Carl Edwards' last victory at Texas. Who was his crew chief that day? Dave Rogers. Who is Daniel Hammock's crew chief? You guessed it, Dave Rogers. Unreal how that lines up, isn't it? Let's go down to the Truck Series. Ben Rhodes wins the Truck Series title, former guest on Victory Lane, by the way, back in the day. And he's deserving of that one, too. He only had two wins, and they came in the first two races of the season. But fun fact, not John Hunter Nemechek, not Sheldon Creed, not Zane Smith, not Matt Crafton. Ben Rhodes had the best average finish in the Truck Series this season. But let's be real. You know, he had a great season, great drive at the end, finishes inside the top five, gets the championship, his first one, another one for Thor Sport. That's great. But his press conference was the star of the show. <laughs> and that's what we will remember about this race and Ben Rhodes' championship probably 1, 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the line. Thanks to Alan Kavana of Positive Regression and NASCAR Fantasy Live for clipping off some of his best moments of the press conference. I am going to remember this one for a long, long time. If you haven't already seen it, go watch it in its entirety. It's about 18, 19 minutes. It is well worth your time. But here are some highlights in audio form. This is going to be the weirdest press conference ever. Yeah, I'm, I'm more zen now thanks to my good friend, Bud. Let me say something here. Libations are good. What was the question? So, okay, wait a minute. I know what the question was. It was, how did I get to... Okay, so here's how this happened. I was pissed. Pissed. And let me say something. I got the mic, so I can say it anyways. So, 
I was pissed. Wow, the mic got out loud real fast. And I said, ain't happening, Mama Jamma. Bye-bye. Wow, I talked really fast there. Thoughts and prayers to our transcriptionist. From this yes. We'll go to Bob. My wife Thanks. looks really embarrassed. Are you embarrassed? We're champions. Yeah. That's not a good representation of Kentucky. Everybody has teeth in Kentucky. We drink fluoride in our water. The bud is amazing tonight. Good, good, good. Um, Do I need water? No, I like to put the bud. The bud is good. So we're like a match made in heaven. And I loving it. Mick loving it. I love champagne. That's the taste of victory. A karaoke, I feel like singing some Ice Ice Baby. <laughs> and he kind of went, woo And I went, woo Boom. Oh, welcome to, welcome to the jungle. I like welcome to the jungle really well. So I've probably taken about this many naps in my life. This many. Yesterday was the first one. I don't create anything because I'm just consuming. I'm just a consumer. Mainly because I told... What's your name again? Bob. Got championship wings now. Whoa, hey, crew chief. How's it going? I had, like, a lot of Bud Lights without you. You should have been there. I love that guy. I love you. This well. is the best conference ever. <laughs> That's right. Bye, guys. <laughs> Made a lot of new friends tonight. I consider you my close group now. And thus, with his drunkenness, ends the 2021 season wrap-up. Rightfully so that it ends like that. Daniel Hemrick, Ben Rhodes, and Kyle Larson are your 2021 NASCAR National Series champions. Before we close out the show with some lug nuts, I want to give a shout-out to Rhino Classifieds, as you guys know by now. Rhino came on the scene with the bang. They gave away Von Gittin Jr.'s drift truck, and it was created by the founder of Racing Junk because he wanted to create a more streamlined buying and selling app that allowed users to see what they wanted rather than all that random crap and the ads that get in the way. So head on over to rhino.co, R-Y-N-O.co. You can sign up for a free account, find the car part, race car, classic, or modified street machine you're looking for, or you can post yours. Rhino.co, classified for racers, built by racers. I know we had an abbreviated one last week, but this is an extended Lug Nuts of the Week. Cue that funky music, white boy. Allison Thorson confirmed on SiriusXM NASCAR Radio that Matt Crafton and Ben Rhodes will return to the organization next season. Chase Elliott is joining his teammate and fellow champion Kyle Larson for some select USAC races this offseason. Getting dirty, are we chasing Kyle? Ryan Ellis... Former guest on Victory Lane a couple weeks back. Happy for him because he's joining Alpha Prime Racing for select events. Hopefully five races in 2022 for Alpha Prime. So congrats to Ryan on that. Some crew chief silly season news. Jerry Baxter, who left Richard Petty Motorsports, he's joining David Gillen Racing to crew chief Tanner Gray next season, which means that the vacant spot on the 43 pit box with Eric Jones is going to be filled by two-time Xfinity champion, Dave Ellens. So he moves from Noah Gregson in Xfinity to Eric Jones in Cup. Also, crew chief moves. Brian Wilson is going to serve as the crew chief for Harrison Burton on the 21 Ford with Wood Brothers Racing next season. And Alan Hart is joining Sam Hunt Racing as a technical director of their Xfinity Series operation and a crew chief for next season. Robin Miller, late 
The late Robin Miller was named the third quarter Pocono Spirit Award winner, so congratulations to Robin and his family. And also sad news, I believe Dad paid homage to this person in an episode of Victory Lane. It might have been episode 100, I forget. But Del McCower, driver of that number zero green car, was pretty iconic. He unfortunately passed away earlier this week at the age of 80. Bob Jenkins was also named the 2021 Squire Hall Award recipient. So congratulations to him and his family. A great honor and a well-deserved one for sure. Jeff Karpoff, you remember him? He was supposed to be sentenced for like the past two years, it feels like. And I just saw Bob tweeting that his sentence got moved back and got moved back and got moved back. Well, he's finally been sentenced to 30 years in prison. You know why? He was the DC solar guy. He stole a lot of money from a lot of people and lied through his teeth throughout the entire process. So glad he's getting what he deserves. 30 years in prison for Jeff Karpoff. Jeffrey Earnhardt will not be returning to JD Motorsports next season as Anthony Alfredo also will not return to Front Row Motorsports in the Cup Series next season. The Bush Clash will have heat races, LCQs, and 23 cars to start the main event next February in Los Angeles. Ben Bayshore, he will not be at that race because the 18 car had two loose lug nuts after Phoenix, which means he's suspended for the next points event. But I don't really know how I feel about that because you're not going to have lug nuts next year. So to have a crew chief suspended for loose lug nuts for a race where you're not going to have any, it's kind of weird, but I don't make the rules. Jeremy Bullins, Cliff Daniels, Chris Gabehart, and Jonathan Hassler were each fined 10 grand for one loose lug nut after the Cup Series race. And Alex Yance, Chris Gale, Greg Zipidelli, and Charles Denicky were fined $5,000 and $2,500 apiece for a loose lug nut in the Xfinity and Truck Series, respectively. And last but not least, a little lug nut this week, Speedway Motorsports, you know, those, you know, that organization that owns like almost half the racetracks, Bruton and Marcus Smith, they have purchased or are in the process of purchasing Dover Motorsports, which is the Monster Mile, Dover International Speedway, and Nashville Super Speedway, and they will hopefully complete that purchase by the end of this season or this calendar year, maybe next year, I don't know the financials of it, uh, but it's going to be for over $120 million. So we'll see what the future holds for Dover and we'll see what the future holds for Nashville. I, for one, Dover being my home track and the, and the place that I went to my first race at, I hope that that is not the beginning of the end for the Monster Mile, but time will tell. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Victory Lane. I know you heard me blabbering on a long, long time. I was, I was debating having Dad on, I was debating having Mom on, debating having Robin on. I was debating having dad on, I was debating having I was debating having mom on, even Robin too, to see what they thought of Larson's championship and just winning the championship race in general. But I'm currently recording this pod on Saturday, November 13th, which is six days after the cup race concluded at NBC Sports Washington in D.C. on Nebraska Avenue because I have not had time to do it before then. And I finally have some downtime at work, so I decided to crank this episode out. And as I mentioned off the top, we're not going to have new episodes every week in the offseason probably, but we will have new episodes at least once a month as a bare minimum. I'm going to aim for every other week, and I'm going to aim for some great conversations with some interesting individuals across motorsports in the offseason. Interviews are coming. Interviews are in the works. If you'd like to hear from somebody specifically, let me know, and I'll try to uh, line that up for you guys. But in the meantime, thank you guys for listening so, so much. 
to episode 133 of Victory Lane and all season long. I know that it's kind of an off season for a lot of people and a lot of people want to keep going, but I hope that you guys will stick around with me for the next couple months before the clash comes around and before Daytona comes around because we got a lot of NASCAR stuff to talk about and I want to talk about it with you guys. And if you feel so inclined, please leave a rating and a review on iTunes. Subscribe to the podcast, Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, wherever you get your pods. We should be available there for your consumption. And if we're not, drop me a line. I'll try to rectify that issue for you. Again, thanks for your time. Thanks for your love. Thanks for your support. Had a great time in Phoenix. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling fine. And I already can't wait for the Clash and for the Daytona 500. Under 100 days, everybody. Just keep it locked to Larry Max Twitter. He'll let you know. Catch you on the flip side. Peace.